Distractions dissipate energy. Almost half of every day is based upon distractions. Taking something out there and putting our energy into it and it distracts us from what's in here. We're always looking out, almost never looking in. Think of how much you do that's nothing more than a distraction. Now look carefully at your life, because only you can decide what is a distraction. And then write them all down. And then out from each thing that's a distraction, add up how much time you give to each one of those. And what's the emotional outcome of what you distract yourself with? How do you feel? How do these distractions affect you emotionally, intellectually, creatively, physically, and spiritually? Do they enhance or do they depreciate you? And to what degree? And how does it manifest? Because you have a right then to stop those distractions and hence get back your energy. Because when you're working on something that's authentic, you're energized. When you're working on something that's a distraction, you're drained. Next, what happens when we have consciousness without thought? Well, that may be confusing some people because many people are taught that our consciousness is thought. No. Consciousness is the consciousness of life. By being present and being still and being in that quiet moment where we retreat from all stimulation, when we retreat from all distraction, we retreat from all illusion. We retreat from all manipulation and all conditioning. We retreat to this neutral place, and in that moment, we are consciousness. The consciousness that allows my body to move, though it wasn't taught, it was there at birth, consciousness. The consciousness that connect with all life forms without judging them. The consciousness that finds value in all things and all people. The consciousness that does not judge you. That consciousness is different than thought. Because thought is what then starts the conditioning process. And what we think is a conditioned response to our beliefs and values. So the beliefs and values tell us what to think, and therefore our thought isn't even our own. Almost all thought is nothing more than an extension of conditioned response to a belief. All over the world today, people have views of what's right and wrong based upon their conditioning. What's not in that equation is what they're thinking is not real. This morning I was doing my KPFK radio show in Los Angeles, and a woman called in. She was very angry, and she says, I can't believe what you're saying. You're saying that no, that, 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 that George Bush, and I said, hold on, you didn't hear what I said. Oh, I heard what you said. I said, no, you didn't. Because you reacted without looking at the content. In fact, I prefaced my statements this morning by saying, the content is important, not merely what we say. How do you put what you say into a content, and hence then a context? Otherwise, all we hear are headlines but we don't look to see how does the context affect us. And what I said was that when I evaluated both candidates running for president on at least 80% of the issues, there was no fundamental difference. They both supported GATT, World Trade Organization, International Monetary Fund, 
structural adjustment in third world countries that affect billions of people and adversely affect their lives. They both supported NAFTA. They both supported the uh, Patriot Act, uh, signed off on it. They both supported a war in Iraq. They both support more troops in Iraq, which means more violence, more killing. Neither one said, neither one said that, well, what are we going to do for the 100,000 dead uh, Iraqi women and children who are civilian casualties? 100,000 since the end of the war. No one said, what are we going to do for Gulf War vets? No one said, what are we going to do to prevent diseases? But they both wanted to get more drugs from the pharmaceutical companies in the hands of people suffering. One wanted to give them subsidized to the lower uh, cost of a drug from Canada. The other wanted uh, American taxpayers to pay for it. But either way, they both supported drugs. No one supported prevention. No one. No one supported cleaning up our environment. Only superficially. A little tokenism. But no one said, we're going to stop all uh, all felting of the major old forest trees, old growth. No one said that. So on the big issues, the issues I consider important, human rights, health, the environment, stopping and completely disengaging all nuclear power. Even both said it was the number one issue. Neither one said that they would eliminate what we have. One didn't want to go further, but that's, that's redundant. So stopping it doesn't help it. Getting rid of it does, but they both supported it. Now the candidate who would have challenged this, who would have given us programs for the environment, was the environmental candidate, the Green candidate. And those who would have stopped our rights from being eroded and taken away was the constitutional candidate. And Ralph Nader had a lot of things that he could have offered, but none of these candidates were allowed by the two candidates to be in a national debate. They decided, not just the Republicans, Democrats and Republicans. And on top of that, as I said, the elitist left, not, that, not the whole left, but a part of the left, educated, successful, and powerful, took it upon themselves to demonize Bush. I thought that was a mistake. Because when you're demonizing someone because you don't like their policies, you don't like the outcome of what they're doing, many people watching this, especially people who believe very strongly in morality, are going to say, you shouldn't do that. And just on that basis alone would be enough to swing their votes. And you know who, what group swung their votes on morality? Latinos. Large percentage of Latinos swung to the Republican side. And what was the issue? The issue was morality. Very religious people. But the elitist left mocked religion, saying they were stupid. What do you think happens when you tell a group of people, you're stupid? Now vote for me. No. So I suggested that if you really want change, you better find people who have the courage to stand up and offer change and give them a forum. But we didn't do that. And so it was twiddly dee or twiddly doe. <laughs> and there should have been compassion. There should have been love. There should have been peaceful intentions on the Democrats' side. And I think they would have done much better in influencing those people who were undecided how they wanted to vote. But there was a hard line stridency. If you, reach, if you watch Bill Maher and some of the other people, well, that every time they talked, they attacked. It was attack, attack, attack. And there's something in the American psyche, especially disempowered people, 
They don't like seeing people attack other people. They don't like it. They're disempowered enough in their own lives. There's too much uncertainty in their lives. So if someone offers them certainty isn't sincere, that person is going to get their vote. Whether what that person does ultimately helps them or hurts them becomes secondary. They got to like someone. And it's hard to like people when people are beating up on people or people in their name are beating up. And this woman just couldn't handle this. But Bush did I said, that's not the issue. We're all aware of what Bush has done. But had Kerry gotten elected, much of the same would have been done. It doesn't matter if someone does it under the name of Democrat or name of Republican, it's what's done is important. And I pointed out Clinton's health care plan. I pointed out Clinton's, you know, uh, little wars and all the other things. So it doesn't matter Democrat or Republican, if they're both centralists, they're business. So we have one party, you know, the business party. That's not an option. That's not a democracy. But that's looking at reality, not illusion. Illusion is all, you know, if we're Democrat, we're different than if we're Republican. We're conservative here and we're liberal here. I've seen, I've seen craziness on both sides. I've seen irresponsibility on both sides, and I've seen reason on both sides. That's what happens when you look at the illusion instead of the reality of something. That's why it's important to look at something from a complete mindset. Next, should you live with the flow or move against it in your life? Your urge is to change. Should you honor that or fear it and hold yourself back? You're going to do one or the other. And there's a reason why you're going to do one or the other. But you better understand the reason. And don't just assume that it's in your best interest to do one or the other. Think through it. And where can you think through it? From that neutral place, that empty place, where you simply see the consequences of both. There's an interesting notion that something exists once you visualize it. So that's why owning the thought, owning the vision, and working with it, creating with it, being, having fun with it is so important. You shouldn't think that the only visions you can have are ones that people have told you or given to you. That's their vision, not yours. It makes an altogether different situation when you create your own vision, because the moment you create it and you energize it, you give it your, your chi, you give it your essential life force, your spirit comes into it. Any energy that's spirit-driven is going to take you where you need to be. And you can actually visualize ahead and you can see the outcome. We have to trust that. Instead, what we trust is not intuition, conditioned response. How many times have you confused intuition, which you didn't have at the time, wasn't using, with conditioned response? Fear is a very strong predictor of what you're going to do. Next, look for the positive lesson in everything, because everything has a positive lesson, everything in life. Even if what we've experienced is negative, even if we've been hurt, every single part of life is a passage. All life is is a series of passages. There was a time when you were in law school and you were visualizing what you could do in the future of making a difference. Then there was a time when you were so overwhelmed in the legal practice 
you're wondering when you could have time to do the things you felt that you deserved to have. Those are passages. And then a time comes when we can actually do some things, and then suddenly we feel almost empty and disconnected because we're so used to doing things. We feel uncomfortable not doing things. We almost feel that we're under-actualizing if we're not doing something. How many times in life have we looked at our life and thought, I didn't learn anything from that. Well, if you don't learn something from it, then you're going to repeat it. You didn't get cancer by smoking a single cigarette. You didn't get cirrhosis of the liver by drinking one glass of alcohol. You didn't get fat by eating one cheeseburger. And you didn't get depressed from having one thing go wrong you couldn't control. Single episodes do not change us. Repetition does. The same thing over and over again gets you into trouble. And yet the whole time that we're doing these things, we're repeating, we're not learning any lesson. We're saying, I don't want the lesson from this. I'm turning away from the lesson. I'm going to repeat this. I'm going to do the same thing tomorrow, but I'm not going to learn a lesson from it. Well, there's going to be an outcome. Everything you do is going to give you an outcome. Everything. So why not see what is the lesson that I've learned? If you've got breast cancer, there's a lesson in it. If you're overweight, there's a lesson. If you've been angry at people, there's a lesson. If you feel helpless or victimized, there's a lesson in that. I was listening to radio this morning and I heard a program that was so filled with hate and projections of false images, and yet people were calling in to support it. I'm thinking, my God, they're calling in and reacting to an illusion that there's these good people and these bad people, and today our lives are miserable because these bad people, instead of taking a look and saying, hold on a second, I can't blame anyone for where I'm at today in my life. I'm here. Now what am I going to do with where I'm at today? What's my lesson? If you do not choose to learn your lessons, I can promise you, you'll be given lessons. And sometimes the lesson you're giving is breast cancer, or divorce, or bankruptcy. Think of the young lady who just a week ago got high, got drunk, and wrecked a car and two of her friends died. Right? Think of what lesson she's trying to think of today. That's a tough lesson, isn't it? But had she learned earlier a lesson, that wouldn't have happened, would it? That happened because she didn't learn a lesson. I counsel in the prisons. Every one of those prisoners had a chance to learn a lesson they chose not to. So prison is their lesson. I've seen people with heart attacks and strokes because they choose not to learn a lesson. So the first time they become aware of a lesson is because they have a stroke. That's a bad time to learn a lesson. I counseled a woman yesterday who has a very important job in the media. And after listening to her for a half hour, it was clear that what she had to do is give up one of the jobs. She's overworked. Her kids are not getting quality time. She's got kids three years old in school. Everyone's taking care of her kids, but she rushes them to school in the morning and she tries to spend some time at night. The era of the super mom or super dad is over. It was an illusion. Every one of those parents who thought they could do it all, it was deception. They may have gone through the motions, they may have been rewarded financially, but there were prices to pay for people who did not have unconditional love and time when they were going through a period. You can only be one year old once. You can only be three years old once, 
And if we're not there when that is occurring, we've missed it. You can't get it back. And one day someone's going to grow up and say, gee, yeah, you gave me a lot of stuff, but you didn't give me any of you. You were always too busy. You can't get it back. Not a single moment in your life can you relive. Not one. That's why you've got to be present for life when it's there. When you're on the barren island, all life's going by you, and you're looking at it. And what do you do? You take a tranquilizer so you numb the pain that you feel emotionally and spiritually for what you just let flow by you. It takes courage to go in, jump into that current, and flow with it. And you know one of your excuses? 10,000 questions. Well, I've got to have 10,000 questions answered before I'll do anything. Well, it's not possible. Well, I guess then I won't do it, will I? But I'll make it believe that I'm interested. Give me a year of your life and let me ask you all the questions I need to ask. And if you can answer everyone exactly right to where I feel confident enough that your answers make me feel comfortable enough to do something, I might do it. <laughs> but if you miss one question, then I'll have ten other questions behind that one because now you've created anxiety for the question you can answer. And I'll look for answers that justify my fear, but I won't look for answers that justify my courage. Now, I'm going to only be responsible for what you tell me to do, but don't tell me to do something because I don't know if I want to be responsible for my own thoughts. If I'm responsible for what you tell me and it doesn't work, I can blame you. I don't want to blame myself, so I just won't do anything. Gee, how original. Stay on the island. And you know, even if a piece of old furniture comes by and you put it out of the water, it's still on little barren island with a little old piece of furniture. I don't care how you decorate an unactualized life. It's never authentic. Next. Stop clinging to everything. Stop clinging to everybody. All this clinging, all this need for possession, all this need to have someone and something that's yours and unique, it's an illusion. In this world, the only thing that you have that's unique to yourself is yourself. Everything else is just a passage. So enjoy the passages, enjoy the people, enjoy the events, be present for your life in the moment you're in, and then at least you can start the process of making right choices. Choose the lessons you want to learn. Actively choose your lesson. You have a right to choose your lesson. If I want to choose a lesson of health, I will do everything I can to understand how I can be healthy. And I will honor that with discipline and passion. I will own it. I will be creative with it. I'll say, why can't I go out and win the World Games this year? Well, I'm going to go out and try to win the World Games. Not because I need another medal. I've got 700 medals. But because I want to show myself that there's still room to grow. And if I accept that there's no room, I'm right. If I accept there's room, I'm right. I'm going to be right either way. If I believe I can't do something, I'm right. If I believe I can do something, I'm right. What a difference. The mindset that justifies not doing something is a negative. The mindset that justifies doing something is a positive. The energy that is positive, affirming energy. The energy that's a negative is a life depreciating energy. Both ways work, but they don't give you the same outcome. So you have to believe enough in yourself to stop clinging on to fear, your insecurity, that sense of, I'm going to be without, I won't have enough, uh, as if there's a shortage. I don't know of what shortages they exist. These are all self-imposed shortages. 
There's no shortage of love. There's no shortage of experiences. There's no shortage of wonderful people. There's no shortage of beautiful places. There's no shortage of creativity. But I have to believe myself. If I want my mind to be creative, then I have to challenge my mind. If I want my body, I'm going to feed my body. And if I want my soul to be expressive, I have to give unconditional love to the world. And I can't do it with fear, because fear is going to block it. Fear is going to push me back in that closet, slam the door, and say, wait five years. Why should I? Why should I wait a moment? Why should I wait a second? Because I'm alive this second. I want to honor this second. I don't want to wait till all the pieces are together, all the questions are answered, all my fears are abated, all my uncertainties have been calmed, all my illusions magnified. I don't need that in order to declare myself open for life. And lastly, relocate your repressed energy. I meet people all the time who say they're just too tired. I'm too old to change. I'm too tired to change. I'm too... And that's not true. Because in every human being, there's a dynamic life force. But if you keep it controlled, if you repress it, then it won't express itself. Open yourself up to express the dynamic energy that you have. It's uniquely your own. It's got your signature. In this life, it has your signature written all over it. You have a right to do as much as you want to do to show this exuberance to yourself and anyone who wants to bear witness to it. And when you connect that exuberance and you start to unfold, you're like a beautiful flower that unfolds. And open yourself up. And then suddenly you think, wow, this is a wonderful way to feel. I feel free. I'm not making my decisions from fear, limitation, illusion, conditioned self. I'm in the moment. I want to be a part of the flow of my life. I'm present for the flow of my life. I don't have to wait till everything is right, till I have enough money, till I have enough support. No, I'm my own support. And money's not what supports me. Faith in myself supports me. Trusting in that eternal spirit is what I need. If I can't trust that my life has significance, then I have no life. And it's not about your job or your friends or your possessions. It's about starting your journey with one step. But that step shouldn't be a step forward. It should be a step away from distraction, away from busyness, away from judging, away from the emotions that you use to protect yourself. Go to that empty space, and in that empty space, that's where your mind is present and your spirit is present to bear witness. And when you bear witness non-judgmentally, you see everything for what it is. From what is is how you make your choices. Surrender that, engage that. Choose this, reject that. And as long as you stay in that neutral space, that quiet space, then everything that comes from that will flow naturally and effortlessly. Having and manifesting a beautiful life starts with appreciating how much beauty exists in your life that you now have to surrender to and open up. Thank you all very much.